Hurricane Ike devastated communities along the Texas coastline in September 2008. Oliver took about three feet more than the West End, and that's the difference. That's KPRC2's chief meteorologist, Frank Billingsley, taking a helicopter tour of Galveston and the Bolivar Peninsula after the storm passed 10 years ago. From a bird's eye, houses built on pilings were missing, washed away, in their place merely plots of land, not much else. This is the Bolivar Peninsula. It's um, sad. To know Bolivar Peninsula is to know a community defined by the water that surrounds it. In a way, the water also separates the peninsula, creating a culture, a lifestyle locals say made it different. You know, it made it Bolivar. This is the beach, (laughs) and uh, people come to church sometimes in their shorts, and uh, it's just a different place. They're a very big independent streak, and that's the big thing. independent streak of anyone that lives over there, and Michael definitely was one of those characters. T.J. Olds, a local journalist who's covered Bolivar Peninsula and all of Galveston County for decades. That person T.J. mentioned, Michael, personified what it meant to be a Bolivar native. Michael Kujawa was his name, and during Hurricane Ike, Michael was stranded. I spoke with him sometime that afternoon, and he was waiting on friends to help him and they didn't show up because the road had already been closed down and the ferry had already been closed down, so he had trouble getting the line loaded up. Wait, wait, run that back. (laughs) He had trouble getting the line loaded up. A lion? Shackle, that's the name of the lioness. Right. Remember what I told you earlier? It's Bolivar. I'll explain later. But for now, I'll tell you during Ike. Michael Kujawa owned a lion, a tiger, and oh my, did he have a tale to tell during the storm. I'm Brandon Walker. Today on the Eyes of Texas, the story of two big cats, a cat to hurricane, and the folks who rode out the storm by running straight into the lion's den. It's become lore among natives of the Bolivar Peninsula, a community forever changed by Ike. If island life begets serenity, the waves and sand giving way to thoughts of a simpler time, then life on the peninsula takes it one step further. I grew up in this this county, and Bolivar was our getaway spot, too. One, the fishing at Rollover Pass was always really great. That's T.J. Olds again, a local reporter who knows a thing or two about Bolivar Peninsula's ebb and flow. You can't just stumble onto the peninsula. By car, State Highway 87 is the major thoroughfare. It'll get you there, albeit a long ride. There is a more popular alternative. A ferry ride from Galveston Island. 2.7 miles sailing Galveston Bay. A trip known for its sights. Pods of dolphins riding waves, pelicans, gulls, other seabirds skimming the water's surface hoping to catch a fish amid the ferry boat's disruption. Bolivar Peninsula is off the beaten path, roughly 27 miles long. Narrow, too, a quarter mile wide at its skinniest point in the Gilchrist community, three miles wide at its thickest, Crystal Beach, home of Michael Kujawa. You said, you know, he was uh, quintessentially Bolivar. What does that mean? It's 
on its own out there. And because of where it is geographically, you weren't bothered a whole lot by you know, officials coming around. A peninsula populated with folks who just wanted to do their own thing. You know, like run a one-man-owned and operated exotic animal zoo. And he had the Crystal Beach Zoo. And it had a lion and a tiger, some donkeys, some horses, some goats, zebras, mixes of different just kind of animals. It wasn't the zoo like you go to the Houston Zoo. Well, maybe not in scale and scope, but for all intents and purposes, Michael Kujawa did think of his zoo as a place for the community to gather. He just wanted something wonderful for the kids. He was unique. That's Megan Guidry, a friend of Michael. He had a tiger that was a friend of his. Um, and then he had the male lion, Hondo. And then he had shackles upstairs with them. And then he, I think he had an emu and a couple, a zebra or something like that. It was all behind a gate. And people would come by to see this. Oh, yes, absolutely. And then he had the horse stables at one time that were on the end of the road at the beach. Man, had to be a romantic sight. Horses galloping amidst the soundtrack of a Bolivar seascape. But for Michael Kujawa, that true love proved a horse of a different color. I mean, he'd tell funny stories about how, I'm like, well, how did they not eat you? You know, you sleep in the bed with them. How do they not eat you? And he talked about one that he had, I'm not for sure if it was shackles or another one, that he would sleep with a football helmet on because he woke up one time with his head in the mouth of one. Man, beat me to it. You know, the line about putting your head into the lion's mouth? Too easy. I did see that gentleman prior to the storm. The pair would run errands together, folks. Man and beast to many. Beauty to Michael. Joel Shalasi is a longtime Bolivar resident. How was that accepted as normal to see a, a guy with a cage on the back of his truck with a lion in it? That is not unusual down here. <laughs> Remember when I told you earlier you'd soon know what I meant when I mentioned Bolivar being Bolivar? We've reached that juncture. Locals could care less. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, it's the zoo. They never had any real problems with it. I'm not so sure if you had the American Zoological Society, if they would approve of it. And it Kids, though, did approve. That's all that mattered to Michael, say his friends. To make it clear, Michael Kujawa's Crystal Beach Zoo didn't sit on a plot of land, didn't have zoologists running around either. That's not what it was. I mean, it wasn't like Noah's Ark or anything like that, but it was, you know, a little hodgepodge thing, and he charged a little bit of money, and he had a little... Con a concession stand out front. And, and TJ says Michael did construction jobs here and there to cover the lion's share of his expenses. That was life for Michael Kujawa. Little did he know, little did southeast Texas know. A tropical wave formed off Africa's western coastline at the end of August 2008 would forever change Bolivar. Eventually, that wave would push Michael into a corner, harried by what to do with his zoo animals, as Hurricane Ike set sights on home. Bolivar Peninsula's narrow strip acts as a barrier between the Gulf of Mexico and the Texas mainland. As far as hurricanes are concerned, barrier land masses get hit first, weakening the storm as it progresses. Thus, to live in Bolivar is to accept the reality of being in the line of fire. But nothing would compare to the forecast residents received early September 2008. 
where it makes landfall. And like I said, we'll get another update. It could be more than 105 mile an hour winds. Ike was coming. Turns out straight for Galveston Island and its neighbor, Bolivar. Before Ike made official landfall, the water was already coming over the peninsula. It was cutting people off early on. That storm surge was, was massive. With only two ways on and off, the blitz to leave Bolivar had beckoned. And that Thursday night, I get a call from people that are still down here that the ferry is closed, the road going to High Island was underwater, and uh, they weren't going to leave. They couldn't leave. This wasn't just another storm folks on the peninsula could weather from home. Lives were at stake, those on two legs as well as four. At the zoo, Michael knew he had to go. He had tried, succeeding in getting some animals loaded onto a truck and taken away. So he was able to get Shackle the lioness into her cage. He had this pickup truck with a cage on the back that had two slots on it. And he got the lioness in, and the tiger would not go in. And he, and he said he was beside himself. He said, I, I, I couldn't get the tiger in and didn't know what to do. Michael had to leave the tiger. Wasn't happy about that. He locked it up in an enclosure he called Cat Hill. By this time, there wasn't a way off the peninsula. Best bet, reach higher ground. He did so by way of a higher power. There's this new church built uh, there on the Bolivar Peninsula, and it was high up, it was near a uh, lumber yard. And the church did have some a, a generator. Joel Shalasi, a member of First Baptist Church. People who were trying to be protected from the storm had actually had to peel open some of those metal guards on the windows to get in. Once they did, they took shelter, Michael and Shackle among the flock. And then he just took her on up into the baptismal, and he talked about taking the leash, her lead, and wrapping around his arm, and that's where they just stayed, and they rode out the whole entire storm there in the church in the baptismal. Saturday, September 13, 2008, early morning hours, Hurricane Ike made landfall onto Galveston Island. Its eyewall passing directly over the city's west end. That put Bolivar on what's considered the storm's dirty side, the right side of the storm with the strongest winds, with wind exceeding 70 miles per hour. Hours passed before it was safe to walk outside. Michael and a handful of others including a man named Robert, held up in a holy place. They were safe. And I said, are you okay? He said, oh, I'm fine. T.J. Olds recalling a phone call he received from Robert. T.J. was at work, like most Houston area journalists, when his phone rang. Seemed normal, the conversation at first. A couple people taking shelter from Mike in a church. Then, ah, oh boy. Was. And I thought that he meant to say like Mount Zion or something didn't know the name of the church or something like that. I said, a lion? He went, yeah, there's this guy, he's got a zoo here. And I said, Michael. He went, yeah, it's him. TJ then talked to Michael. And I'm like, okay, how are you going to get out of here? He says, I, I don't know. I said, I hope the road's open and I got to go back and get the tiger. And he kept saying that just that tiger was a big worry for him. And Hold that thought about the tiger. I know, I know, I haven't spoken about her for a bit, but we got to finish up at the church and the tale of one snapshot, a picture that proves this fable is no farce. Church member Joel Shalasi. On Saturday, AP photographer came in 
with some National Guard troops. It came in the side door of the church, and when they came in, they could hear that lion roaring, and they had a sign on the door going into the sanctuary said, do not open, <laughs> that the, the sanctuary was uh, a home for an African lion. That photographer, Tony Gutierrez, got his shot perched high above the baptismal, looking down on a lioness laying at the altar. The pair stayed at the church for a couple more days before Michael finally made it home. But his home was destroyed. All he had was that Cat Hill was about the only thing left. And of course, that wasn't livable for him. And They're waiting for him. One peeved tiger. He, he projected that human emotion. I mean, and I'm quite certain the tiger was upset, but not like, hey, why'd you leave me behind upset? It was, I've been out here, I'm ragged, I'm, you know, it's been a rough couple of nights for me. You got to sit in the church. Yeah, yeah right, yeah, right, yeah. That's, and that's what I was saying. So, you know, talks to the lion, says, where have you been? I've been in a church. What do you mean you've been in a church? You know, I just, I, I've always had that conversation in my head between the lion and the tiger, the two of them, like, talking to one another. Michael had to give up the cats as he sought temporary housing and couldn't find a place that would take such an unconventional family. In fact, he never got the chance to reopen his zoo. The tide on the peninsula had changed. The people did, too. I think this type of story needs to kind of to live. What happened to Michael? What about the cats and the land on which he built the zoo? That's next on The Eyes of Texas. But first, a quick break to tell you about what's ahead on the Eyes of Texas podcast. They're so intelligent and animated and so much personality and so clean. And and uh, the intelligence level is what fascinated me the most. What inspired a woman to liquidate her business and begin a decades-long commitment to saving the official flying mammal of the state of Texas? I just completely fell in love. That world on the eyes of Texas coming soon. And... been by Beyonce's side, played for Alicia Keys and Jennifer Hudson, and most recently been on stage with CeeLo. But Brittani doesn't play backup to anyone. She's her own star, and her journey began in a Texas church choir. That's the only training I've ever had, like, church. Brittani shines also ahead on the Eyes of Texas podcast. I think that... I am the next big thing from Fort Arthur. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the unique tales from across Texas. And then follow KPRC2 on Instagram for more on each of our stories. Days after Hurricane Ike, TJ Olds finally got to see Michael Kujawa. The pair met at a Denny's in Winnie, that's northeast of Bolivar along I-10. Michael drove his truck there. Braving State Highway 87, which had reopened at least one lane of it was passable, then north on Highway 124. Many a Bolivar native traversed that exact path nearly one week earlier, before Ike ruined everything. And he had the tiger and the lion in the back of his truck in the parking lot of a Denny's. And we're sitting there and he picked a table just so he could look outside. He just, you know... And you just tell he, he'd, been, he'd been whipped. His home, his zoo, his livelihood, washed away by a hurricane. Absolutely. They were like his kids. Megan Guidry reflecting on her friend, his animals, that lion, the tiger, Michael's world. Megan keeps pictures on her phone. The that lion. shackles um, 
I think it was Somerville where they moved her to. Michael moved there too, Somerville, near Bryan College Station. And while he and Shackle no longer lived together, for a while they'd see one another. Shackle has since passed away. As for the tiger, Zippy, as she was renamed, got a new home, an international exotic animal sanctuary in Boyd. That's in North Texas. Very outgoing, very friendly. I love to chop at people and just, you know, say hi and have a good day. Jeremy Vargo, executive director of the sanctuary, helped care for the Bengal tiger until she died in late 2013. She ended up living roughly about the uh, what the normal is for in captivity, which is you know, the you know mid-ish teens. Zippy even reached star status of sorts. When she first got to the exotic animal sanctuary, her story compelled Tony Stewart, you know, the NASCAR behemoth, to pledge money so that Zippy could get a new home built. In a way, while she no longer lived with him, Zippy ultimately lived the life Michael would have wanted for her, a life about which he, too, often dreamt. T.J. Olds. And I'd always ask him, I said, did you just have some adventure you wanted to be? Did you want to be like a, was there something about you you wanted to go on safari at times? So, oh, yeah, I've always imagined what it would be like to go out, and he never got to do anything like that. So this was kind of his way of at least getting close to that and bringing it to him. And I just found that really touching. Also yeah. touching how Michael felt about his story. He wanted to share it with others. Mike's dream was to write a children's book about it. Michael's dream never became reality. These days on Bolivar Peninsula at Crystal Beach, things look different. After Ike, many of the old fishing shacks, tiny beach homes, were replaced with much larger ones. Many natives, those who knew Michael, have been outpriced by the market, property values too high for them. Scars of a storm, some 10 years ago, ever present. There's still like slabs you'll go out that, you know, that were houses before Ike. T.J. Olds kept in touch with Michael over the years. Of course, they talk about the zoo, the old days before Hurricane Ike, and Michael's hope for the future. Um, he always intended to come home, and he never got to really. And he got really sick and, and died, but uh, he's home now there because his, his uh, sister Linda made sure he was buried on the peninsula. Michael Kujawa passed away in April of 2014 after a long-fought illness. Michael's resting place seems the only visual sign on the peninsula that he, his cats, his Bolivar story even existed. Surrounding his tombstone, three cast iron lines, a tale of the Bolivar boy with one remarkable story from the storm. What happens to the legend of Michael Kujawa if Bolivar itself has evolved? The character of a community, you hate to lose a character of a community. We see that in our country all the time. Michael was just one of the guys, one of the residents out there. And that's, that's lost, I think, in many ways. And he, he represented kind of the independent spirit of the Bolivar Peninsula. Many thanks to T.J. Olds, Megan Guidry, Joel Shalasi, and the International Exotic Animal Sanctuary in North Texas. By the way, if you want to learn more about the sanctuary, head to our website, click2houston.com slash eyesoftexas. While there, take a second to see Michael and Shackle. We've posted pictures. One more note. I screened this story for a group of fifth graders, and they all had the same question. How was it that Shackle didn't eat anyone during Hurricane Ike? I know, right? Good question. The answer, according to TJ, 
Shackle only ate frozen meats, and Michael had given her a frozen roast or two before they set off in search of shelter. So perhaps it was a full stomach, or perhaps it was something more. They weren't a church after all. Hey, remember, if you've got a tale you think would make for a great story, drop us a line. Our email address is eyesoftexas at click2houston.com. That's our show. I'm Brandon Walker. Thanks for listening. And remember, our eyes are your eyes. Be sure to join us again as we go traveling Texas together. Texas.